Greetings, Rui Wanderer, and welcome back to Lonely TTRPG, the solo actual play and review podcast. This week, we are playing Rift by a friend of the pod, Eric Dill. Now, Rift is a game based on Rune, written by Spencer Campbell of Gila RPGs. So, this is going to follow the same rules as Rune. To get the full experience of this game, you will need to get the Rune Core set. But there are enough rules in here that we're able to cover most of it while just using the game book that we have. Now, as for equipment, we're going to need some D6s, at least two, but there will be options for having more. And you're going to need a 4x4 grid for combat encounters. Now, one is provided in the back of the gamebook, so you have that going for you. The Galaxies and Rifts. Legends tell of the formation of the galaxy by the supernatural entity known as the Dust of Creation. No one knows who or what the Dust of Creation is, or whether there are multiple creatures or only one. As time passed, the denizens of the galaxy learned to take the residual energy presence around strange spatial anatomies, rifts, and compress them into cores of immense power. Powerful individuals, corporations, and even the galactic military uses these cores to exercise augmented power against the masses. The plethora of heinous acts performed in pursuit of more power did not go unnoticed by the dust of creation. In response, mighty warriors created with the task of taking back these cores were created within the rifts. These warriors were formed from the raw creative energies and exhibit both humanoid and mechanical qualities, making them powerful forces within the galaxy. These warriors are known as the Riftborn. So in this game, you are the Riftborn. That means that you are an immortal being created to find these cores and take them back. Now, being immortal does not mean that you are invulnerable. In fact, you only have 10 health to start out with. But what it does mean is that if your health ever drops to zero, you're going to be taken back to the rift that you emerged from, where you will be reconstituted with full health and all equipment, gear, items, and data you previously had. Now, of course, getting destabilized in this way is going to have an effect, and any fight that you've managed to succeed, except against unique enemies, is going to be reset every time you get destabilized. So what that means is as you're bebopping around the map, if you go through three fights and on the third fight you fall and become destabilized, all three of those fights are going to reset and you're going to have to redo them but you do gain everything that you found along the way. So to start out with, you are going to have 10 health and 2 stamina. The stamina represents your D6s. When you take damage, you're going to reduce your health until you get to 0, at which point you destabilize. In addition, you're going to start out with 2 starting weapons or spells. Any combination, you can have 2 weapons, 2 spells, 1 weapon, 1 spell, however you want to do it. You're also going to have one piece of gear and one core. Now, this game does not have a max limit for items you can carry, but you can only equip two weapons, one gear, and one core at a time. Now, 
Throughout the gameplay, you can swap a lot of this stuff out during the game. However, you cannot do it mid-combat. So, what you got rolling into combat is what you got. For playing the game, this is a Souls-like game. Both in the sense that you're going to die and be reborn, but also in the sense that there is no concrete story. Things are going to have descriptions and tags along the way, and you kind of build the story as you go. But gameplay is done in two phases, exploration and combat. Exploration involves moving from point to point on the mission map, gaining data, information, etc. And then combat, you're going to switch to your 4x4 grid and conduct that. So this is a point crawl. So for exploration, you start out at your starting point. And that point will indicate what other points you can get to from there. So, for example, you might be able to go from point one to point two, and then from point two to either point three or four. It all depends on what direction you want to take and how you want to pursue this. But you can only move to the points indicated by the description in the point map. And once you get to the point, you will have a variety of things that you can do. You can search, delve, learn, or fight, as indicated by the point. And these, again, once you search, delve, or learn, that is completed at that point, no matter how many times you destabilize. However, fights will reset unless it is against a unique enemy. But if fight is indicated, you do need to undertake the fight before you can do anything else at the point. As for these tasks, searching is used to find hidden items such as treasures or useful items. For delving, there are some points where they are incredibly dangerous and well protected. Delves typically require something from the Riftborn to enable an undertaking such as so many points of data or world events who have happened. But they do have secrets, items, or equipment once the delve is complete. Learning allows you to increase your knowledge and therefore data. And then of course, fighting is undergoing combat, moving to your 4x4 grid and dealing with the enemies present. The Unsealed Rift is that special location on every map where you begin your journey and where you can go back to to either regain health or when you've been destabilized. You can return to... The rift at any point to rest and regain health but again this is going to reset any of your fights now some rifts are going to have a rift clock and that's going to have special triggers so whenever you do so many things you're going to add ticks on your clock and then when your clock gets to a certain point that's going to trigger certain world events for combat once you enter combat First, you will set up your 4x4 grid. Your combat encounter will tell you where to place enemies and terrain. And then you start your rounds. Combat will consist of rounds and those rounds will have five steps. First of all, you're going to determine enemy actions. So you're going to roll a D6 for each enemy in the fight. And then you're going to use that enemy card to determine their moves and actions for that round. Next, you're going to move the enemy. And you're going to do any non-harm related actions for that round. All right. For both the enemies and you. So if you have any non-harm related things, you would also do that. 
Step three will be determining your own actions. So you're going to roll your own stamina dice and assign those to your weapons or spells. Weapons and spells can only be used once per round. And when you're looking at your weapon and spell cards, there will be numbers associated with your actions. So you take your dice, you take your roll and assign that to your weapon or spell based on what actions you want to perform. So that maybe, maybe you only get to move this round or you might be able to move and fire or you might be able to just fire and attempt to deal harm. Once you've rolled your dice and decided what you want to do, you're going to go ahead and move your Riftborn based on whatever your weapon or spell says that you can do. And then you're going to resolve any harm that everybody else would have done. So harm happens simultaneously. So if an enemy can hit you, they deal harm. But you also deal harm. But again, it's simultaneous. So if you would have killed that enemy, it doesn't matter. They still deal that harm to you prior to them dying. In addition for combat, there is also a terrain. And there are three types of terrain. Difficult terrain, permanent terrain, and cover terrain. So difficult terrain, such as hallways, unstable footing, or ground that would make combat challenging. While on difficult terrain, all harm is dealt with a minus one penalty. So if you only roll the ability to deal one harm, you're not dealing any harm on difficult terrain. Permanent terrain includes large unmovable objects and cannot be moved through. And then cover terrain is any kind of destructible terrain that a character can hide behind. Cover has a durability of four and prevents damage up to that number. Once cover has reached zero durability, it breaks and becomes difficult terrain. Now, there are certain effects like pierce that can penetrate cover. So if you manage to do a piercing attack, you ignore cover and deal harm directly to the enemy. However, normally you have to, be, you have to either avoid the cover or break the cover before you can deal that, that harm. Now, as for equipment, again, there are three types of equipment. Weapons, including spells, gears, and core. Weapons are how you deal harm. It's what allows you to move and how you deal harm. There are cards for each weapon in the game. So, you, again, you equip that weapon or spell. You roll your stamina dice, and whatever the roll is determines what you can do for that round. Gear is an item that aids you in your mission. And gear can only be used when certain conditions are met. Now, some gear can be used anytime the condition is met, but some gear like the shield generator can only be used once per combat. So make sure that you're paying attention to that as you're selecting your gear. Then you have your rift cores, where as you take on more areas and you defeat unique enemies, you have a chance to find the core warden and defeating them will allow you to gain their core. Each core is different and provide its own unique bonuses as indicated on the card. Now, when you use the core, it is not consumed, but you won't be able to use it again, if, especially if it has a special thing. 
until you enter the rift and get it recharged. And then, of course, there are consumable items throughout your adventure. You're going to find certain items like stim packs, med packs, that sort of thing. Those are one-time use items that once you use them, they are, they are done. And these items do not travel with you. So if you move from your current exploration area to a new area, then that item now goes away and you have to find new ones at the new location. Of course, once you have gained the core, you have completed everything you need to complete at that location. You can enter the rift and go to a new location. When traveling through the rift, you're going to reset your riftborn. So reset your health and stamina back to their max values of 10 and 2. Data becomes 0. Again, consumables are destroyed by the dust of creation. But your cores are refreshed. And you can also change any equipment that you want at that point. If you do leave an area before defeating the core warden, any tasks that you have completed in that area stay completed with the exception of fights, just like becoming destabilized, those fights are going to reset. And a slight correction on the cores before we dive on into this with the cores. Some of the cores are going to provide lasting abilities. Some of the cores are going to provide like one-off type abilities. Just make sure you read what the core says. It looks like most of the cores in this, especially the starting cores, just provide upfront lasting abilities to help augment and improve your Riftborn. But with that, we're going to go ahead and transition into our gameplay. So, I have started out with the Ballistic Pistol, Blast, the Shield Generator, and the Meteoric Iron Core. So, the Ballistic Pistol has a range of adjacent and two, meaning I can attack anybody next to me or two squares away from me. Note with the ranges in this game, if it says range two, that means you have to be two squares away. So these ranges are exact. There is no up two. There is, if it says two to three, they have to be two to three spaces away for you to hit them. So ballistic pistol, I have adjacent and range two, but if I roll a six, I can also use Pierce. For Blast, that is a spell that will allow me to knock back enemies. So I can push enemies away from me up to two spaces at the best one. And if I push them into any type of terrain, I will also deal harm when I do that. And then for the gear, I chose a Shield Generator which means if I get below half health, once per encounter, I can activate a four health shield to take on incoming damage. So basically, I've increased my health to 14, but only once I get below half health. So if I get below five, so if I get to four health or lower, I can activate my shield generator, get four free health, and I will have that throughout the run. So every encounter, I can just reactivate that and increase my available health, allowing me to push on further. And then for my core, I chose Meteoric Iron, which increases damage dealt by weapons by one. So my Ballistic Pistol is now doing more damage per round. So to start off, we 
exit the unsealed rift and find ourselves in the back of a hangar of a ship. With only one place to go, we enter the hangar proper. So entering the hangar, we have two things we can do. We can fight and we can search. So first of all, we have to fight. So let us enter our combat mode. Now with this fight, we have two Marines and one Marine Lieutenant. The Marine Lieutenant is unique. So we will not have to face him again if we beat him or her or them. But again, combat's in a four by four grid to denote where things are on the grid. There is a grid reference system of A, B, C, D, and one, two, three, four. So your columns are your letters, your rows are your numbers. So we have a Marine at A2. We have a Marine at B2. We have a Marine Lieutenant at A3. We have cover terrain at B3, C2, and D2. And then we are starting at D4. All right, so first things first, we need to roll for what our enemies are doing. So that's going to be 3d6 for 1d6 per enemy. And we're just going to go straight down the straight down the line. We got a 1, a 3, and a 6. That's annoying. That means that our Marine Lieutenant got the best one. So for the Marines with a 1 and a 3, they both get to move 1. So we're going to move our Marine from B2 to C2 so that they can get behind cover. And then from A2 to B2. So we have one Marine behind cover, one Marine getting ready to move up on us. The other Marine, the Marine Lieutenant, got a six. So they don't get to move. But if I get right up next to them, they will deal two harm and knockback. So that is... That is no good for us. And then a note on the movement. You can only move left, right, up, or down. You cannot move diagonal. So now it is our turn. We are going to roll 2d6 for ourselves. And we got 2 and 4. So with that 2 and that 4, we can move 2. We can actually move up to 4 total. A 4 for the ballistic pistol will let us move 1, harm 1. And a two for the blast will let us move to knock back one. So one of the problems we have here is one of these Marines is, is undercover. Now it says may move. So that doesn't mean we have to. So what we're going to do is we're going to move from D4 to D2 and get right up next to this Marine at C2, who is undercover. And we're going to use our knock back one to knock them back. And we're going to knock them up to C1. I don't know if that's entirely how it works, but I don't. you can't have enemies occupying the same area. So I don't believe I can push them into B. I don't believe I can push that Marine into the other Marine at B2. But that Marine at B2 does not have, does not have cover, which means that I can deal one harm to them which is nice. So we're going to deal one harm to them and their health is going to go from three to two. And that will be the end of round one. So moving on to round two, once again, rolling 3d6 for everybody. We got four, six, and five. So the first Marine got a four. 
meaning they get to move one, harm one. And they will always attempt to move towards me. So that puts him under cover. And that is going to harm my cover, bringing that from four to three. I know that's skipping ahead. You're supposed to resolve harm all at once, but it makes sense for me to do this all like all right now. Now the other Marine got harm to surge one. Also correction to earlier, two characters can occupy the same square. So I could have pushed that first Marine into that second Marine, but that's fine. Now with that second Marine, with that Marine at C1, they are diagonal from me and everything on the rules say no moving diagonal. It doesn't say anything about attacking diagonal. And I don't remember what the official ruling on this is. So here's the thing. We're going to say no, there will be no diagonal attacks and that goes for everybody. So I will, not get a, I will not get diagonal attacks either. But our Marine Lieutenant with a five gets a harm one, knockback one. I am not anywhere near them. So I do not have to worry about that. So rolling for my turn, I got another four and two. I also forgot my weapon deals plus one damage. So that Marine that I hit for one earlier, I actually hit for two. So the Marine undercover at C2 is at one instead of two because of my core. This is why cores are important. All right. So with a four and a two, I am not going to, I am not going to move. I am going to use my knockback and I'm going to knock back the Marine from C2 to B2. So I will use that with my two, with my four, I will use my pistol and I will deal two harm to that Marine, bringing them to zero. That Marine is now no more. Also, side note, because knockback is not a harm attack, that means that the damage that Marine did to my cover doesn't exist. So my cover is still at four. That Marine is, that Marine is no more. All right, so moving on to round three, rolling for the Marines. We got a three and a one. So with that three, the Marine at C2, or correction, the Marine at C1 can move to C2. They are now behind cover. And the Marine Lieutenant can finally move and attempt to get near me. But they are still diagonal, so... We are fine for right now. For me, I'm going to roll for myself, and I got a one and a two. And that only gives me move options. But a two does allow me to utilize knockback. So what we're going to do is we're going to put ourselves in a little bit of danger here because we are going to move ourselves from D2 to C2. And we are going to knock back the Marine from C2 to... B2. Now this is putting myself in danger because I am now able to be hit by the Marine Lieutenant. Now I'm still behind cover, so I got that going for me. But this could get risky quick this could get risky very quickly. But that's everything that I can do. And nobody dealt any harm this turn. Alright, so rolling for the Marines. Both of them got a four. Luckily for me, the lieutenant 
only gets to move on a four. But the regular Marine, they get to move and attempt to harm. Again, I'm behind cover. So that is going to take my cover from four to three. But neither of them is going to decide to move. All right, so for my turn, I got two and three. Now, when you're in a situation like this, you have two options. You can either split your dice and put two on one and three on the other, or you can add them together and do whatever that is for your one thing. So I got five total. So I have two and three, which means that I can either A, knock back a target one square and move, which I don't want to do because I'm behind cover, or B, I could take the five and I could do some harm. Now, with knockback, it says if a target would enter terrain, deal one harm as well. This is only a four by four grid. So I would see that as I would see that as hitting the wall at the edge of the grid. My knockback value is two for a five. This is why we're having this discussion. With a blast, I can knock back two and deal two harm. I have a Marine that if I knock him back two, they hit the wall. So I'm going to call that one harm plus the two that I would deal. This Marine only had a health of three. So that Marine is no more. I am left with only my Marine Lieutenant who will now roll their turn. They got a two, which means they can only move. We're going to roll our 2d6. They're not going to move. They're going to stay where they're at. And once again, I got a two and a three for a total of five. So we're going to do the same trick on this guy. We're going to knock them back into the wall. So they're going from C3 to C4 into the wall. They take one harm from that, two harm from the knockback attack. And that takes them down three. So they went from five to two. And that ends the round. Which was very good that I knocked them back because they rolled a five, which is a harm one, knockback one. But they have to be adjacent. They have no move. Which means that they are raging impotently against the machine. Meanwhile, I just got double fives. Which means I can move one, harm one. And I can do a harm two, knock back. Alright, so... Non-harm actions occur after enemy movement. My move actions do not occur until after that. So nobody gets any knockback. Nobody will get any knockback. We don't have to worry about any of that. However, here's the thing. If I move up and kill this person, because I actually know I don't have to do that. My blaster has, uh, my blaster has range. Yeah, my ballistic pistol has a range of two. They are two away. That five allows me to do one harm, but with my core, I do two harm. So long, Marine Lieutenant. And with that, area two, the hangar, is cleared. All right, so now what I can do is I can also search. And we are going to do that. So we're going to roll 1d6 on the search and see what we find. We got a two, which means a battle sim, plus, or plus one harm for one fight. Outstanding. So, 
area two is now complete. So from the hangar, I can either travel along a corridor to the open barracks or a locked elevator will take me down to level four. But instead, that is what we're going to call it. So that is Rift by Eric Dill. So this is a this is a fun game. So I like the rune system. It's a very it's a good way to deal with point crawls in combat. I really like the combat in this. I really like the point crawl. What Eric brought to this was Rune was built around a dark fantasy genre. Eric definitely made this sci-fi. And he did a great job with turning this into a sci-fi game. Now, with that, one of the limitations of Rune is it is very young and as it stands right now there is not any real random procedural generation for these areas like this all has to be crafted and like i said eric did a good job with crafting this encounter i like everything that i see in rift i wish there was more I wish there was more because there's only the one setting so far. There is only the one ship so far, the one mission. And I got it. I got it. It is a solo developer working on their own. And, you know, you only have so much time. I know. I know how that is. I, too, am a solo developer working on my, working on my own for a lot of my games. And... There's only so much time, especially when you have a full-time job, especially when you have a family, which, you know, Eric has all of that. So what I would love to see is I would love to see Eric continue to develop out this system and to continue to build missions for this. And that will definitely make this go, that will definitely make this very nice. He has a great way of creating atmosphere and ma his maps are amazing. If you've if you've never checked out any of his map, like he does great map working. And you can definitely see that in here. You can definitely see that in the way that he built this all out. So I would love to see more missions. I would love to see more missions get added to this. But the only way I really see that happening is if this turns out to do really well for him. You know, if people come out and say, hey, this is great, we want more, and, you know, also pay him for more. Because here's the thing, Rift is being offered for free. I mean, it's being offered for name your own price. And I can tell you straight up, anytime something is listed as name your own price, that's basically free. You know, most of us are going to pick it up for free. Some of us are going to be nice and throw a couple dollars. If you go to do it, please throw him a dollar. Please throw him at least a dollar. This is definitely worth a dollar. I can tell you straight up, this is definitely worth a dollar. The setting that you get out of this is great and definitely worth a dollar. All right. You know, what you got to look at it as is, you know, how much entertainment are you going to get out of this? You're going to get at least an hour's worth of entertainment out of this. By running this whole thing, you're going to get at least an hour's worth of entertainment out of this. So a dollar for an hour's worth of entertainment, that seems completely reasonable to me. And 
multiple people picking this up and tossing him a dollar is one of the only ways he'll be like, you know, maybe I should make some more settings for this and getting those out there. You know, heck, probably won't even take that many of you guys getting together and, you know, demanding he starts up a Patreon or something where it's, pay where it's just a monthly release of a new setting. I don't know. I'm spitballing ideas here. I'm trying to help Eric be successful. But no, this is a this is a great game. He does a great job with the atmosphere of this game. This is definitely this is definitely worth checking out. And again, at name your own price, there is nothing for you to lose. So go check it out. Go toss him a dollar. Go tell him that Steel Stash sent you because that helps me out too. When you guys when you guys go and tell creators that you found them because of me, that makes me valuable to creators. They want to work with me more, which means I get to play more great games. But speaking of reaching out and telling friends, also tell friends about this podcast. Do you have people who are interested in solo games who want to learn about them? Send them my way. I love talking with people about solo games. We have all the contact info at the end of the podcast. We have the website at you know www.blackdragondungeoncompany.com. We have a Reddit community. We have a subreddit, our lonely TTRPGs. You can go on Reddit and post stuff in there if you want. You know, you can shoot me emails at blackdragondungeoncompany at gmail.com. You can find me on Twitter, on Blue Sky, on Threads, on Tumblr, all BDDC pod in some variation. Either BDDC pod, BDDC underscore pod, one of those two. All right, you can find me at all those places just like that. You know, I love talking about solo games. I love introducing people to solo games. I love helping people find the games they want to play. And, you know, again, we have a lot of recommendations based off of how long we've been doing this. Sending your friends to these shows if you think they might be interested in something. Again, Point them in one of a point them in one of our podcasts. See if it's interesting to them. If they have more questions, tell them to hit us up. But that's enough begging on my end. With the exception of also, we have a Patreon as well, Black Dragon Dungeon Company at Patreon. Links down below. But like I said, go check out go check out Rift. You can find it on itch.io at drakeinspire.itch.io slash rift. The links will be down below for your ease and convenience. So go check that out. Again, go pick this up. Great opportunity. Great aesthetic. Really fun way to make this a good sci-fi game. And remember, I must ask y'all to stay awesome. This has been a Black Dragon Dungeon Company production. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a rating with your podcatcher. It really helps get us out to more people and spreads our name out there. Or you can share us with a friend. Other ways you can help support the show is you can check out some of our products over on itch.io or DriveThruRPG. You can also join our Patreon to receive early access and have the opportunity to ask us any questions that you want. You can find us on Twitter at BDDC underscore pod. Or you can email us at blackdragondungeoncompany at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening.